Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. So the last last few weeks we've been talking about um, spiritual disciplines. Um, I hope you guys have been enjoying that and putting these practices of spiritual disciplines into practice. Um, you know, PD talked about Bible reading. Mr. Jackie talked about prayer. Davis talked about service. Frank, generosity, and uh, Lady Courtney talked about worship. And next week we'll have uh, Minister Angel come in and it's just and close us off. Amen. Yeah. Um, so in in all of our daily disciplines, for whether Bible reading, prayer, service, coming to church, um, even our regular daily hab- daily things, what we're doing is we're creating habits. Right. We're establishing habits. We're developing habits. Some of us, we're, we're hopefully developing good habits, but some of us probably have some bad habits. I don't know. Uh, for me, one of my bad habits, I wake up in the morning and I, I might I check my emails and I scroll through social media. And then I, and 15 minutes later, I'm like, man, I should have got up out of the bed 15 minutes ago. <laughs> right. Uh, maybe I'm not. the. Maybe, I hope maybe I'm not the only one, but um, I end up wasting time in the morning. So that's one of my bad habits. I'm like, you know what? I've, uh, some of the books I've read, like, you know, leave the phone outside of the room. And I'm like, all right, one day I'm going to do that. I'm going to leave it out the room and I'm not going to check it in the morning. Uh, uh, amen. So what, what some of these things are, we're creating habits. So habits are things that we, are, that we do without thinking, things that become second nature to us, things that we do um, um, instinctively. Uh, we, we instinctively, some of us, we don't even realize that we do these habits, but every, every day we do a particular habits at a certain time. I might bite my nails when I get nervous. The other day, Chris is like, oh, you biting your nails. I'm like, I don't know why I'm biting my nails. I don't bite my nails. I haven't bit my nails in 15 years, but I'm biting my nails now for some reason. Um, so we're developing habits. <laughs> but as we are developing these good habits and, and these spiritual disciplines, how do all of these things work together? Ideally, how do these things work together? I believe all of these things are meant to work in rhythm, right? So that's the word that we're going to talk about today. Everybody say rhythm. <laughs> rhythm. So the difference between rhythms and habits is that habits, like I said, habits are second nature, but rhythm is intentional. Rhythm takes planning. Rhythm takes preparations, right? Rhythm, rhythm takes timing. We need timing. So if you know anything about music and, you know, thank God for church. If you grew up in church, one thing you're going to learn about is rhythm, right? <laughs> you're going to learn how to really going to learn some rhythm. Uh, even the kids up here today, it, without even realizing they're learning rhythm, they're learning timing of the music, they're learning how to dance to the music, how to clap to the music. Um, so uh, if you know it, so rhythm is the key thing, is one of the key things that keeps the music and the entire band in sync. So you could have the world's most gifted instruments. You could have $10,000 worth of equipment. You could have the best equipment. But if the rhythm is off, it's going to sound like trash. Right? I remember one time we were, we, we were doing a, we, was, we started a band and we were, had a first performance. We were doing a performance with a rapper. We, um, we practiced every day, two hours a day, one hour a day. We created this whole click track and the whole backing track, and we had this whole elaborate thing going on. Um, and we practiced, we practiced, we practiced with the rapper, we practiced by itself, we had it down packed, and we're like, we're gonna kill this show. 
I don't think we got paid any money, but we're like, are we going to kill the show? We get to the show, and it was, it was uh, Trey and I, many of you guys know Trey, and the sound system was trash. So we had the drummer in the middle, we had the bass player here, and then Trey and I were coming out of the same unit. Um, so we're like, okay, let's go. I played, the, I played the song, the rhythm came on, the, we had the backing track started, the drummer came in, and then nobody heard the rhythm, and the, the performance was trash. <laughs> we we practiced, and then we immediately we shut off the rhythm track, and then we just played to the drummer, right? So we practiced, and so no matter how skilled we were, the rhythm was off, so it didn't work. It didn't accomplish what we wanted it to do. Um, so even, rhythm is key to music, and I'll talk about music, and I'm gonna get off music in a little bit, but even at the beginning of every sheet music, what you're gonna see is the rhythm, you're gonna see time signature, you're gonna see things before you even start playing the music, before you even get into it, you need to know what the rhythm is. Oftentimes you hear drummers come on, one, two, three, and then the band plays. Because without the rhythm, you don't know your timing. You know, in, in recently I've been teaching the, the kids, uh, started teaching Adrian some drums. I don't know how to play drums, but basically what I'm teaching him is rhythm, right? And you have to, the kick goes on the one and the three and the snare on the two and the four, and you can't play them separately. You can't play them out of sync because it's, gonna, it's not going to be music. It's going to be noise. It's going to be chaos. Um, the other, we recently moved, so I have, I'm going to have a lot of analogies. I'm, I'm going to be like uh, Minister Allen <laughs> today. Uh, hopefully, I have not too many analogies. But I, 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 um, so we recently moved, and if anybody knows that smoke detector sound, right? That yeah. when the battery's dead. So we, I had an old smoke detector in a box in the storage somewhere. And, um, and, and initially, you heard this noise, boop. I'm like, man, I don't feel like digging, looking for this smoke detector. It's not that serious. After a week, it dings more. <laughs> After two weeks, it dings more. And then one day, just, it was dinging while I'm sleeping. I'm trying to sleep. And you know, so I just woke up. I probably woke up 6 AM or maybe earlier. Woke up. I ran to, ran to the room. I dug out the thing, and I threw the battery out. I took the battery out. I'm like, this thing is bothering me. All right, so that is how, so an example, so if our life is out of rhythm, mm -hmm. it creates noise. At the beginning, it might not bother you, right? All these little things might not affect you, but after a while, it becomes, the noise starts to get to you, and you eventually end up to a place of burnout. You're eventually crashing, like, man, I can't, I gotta get away, I gotta uh, get rid of, I gotta just get away, I gotta take a break, I, I gotta, I, I'm going crazy. My mind is going nuts. I'm at a point of, break, of, of, of burnout because I've been letting this noise build up for a period of time. We do a lot of the same thing. We end up in chaos, and it all becomes draining, right? I, we have a lot of friends from rich friends that make a lot of money to friends that don't make as much money, and all in between the spectrum, especially if you have kids, one common thing that most people say is, I'm so busy. Like, why is, it, why is that? Why are the rich people saying, I'm busy? The people that's, that's broke saying, I'm busy. The people in between, I'm so busy. Like, how's everybody busy? Whether you're black, poor, Asian, whatever, all, all, all of the spectrums, the common thing is, I'm so busy. Amen. Um, let's jump over it. Well, let's, so today, what we're going to talk about is the discipline of rest. 
and how rest is essential to us creating these rhythms in our life. Um, in the beginning of time, we see that in the creation story, God created the heavens and earth and created everything over the course of six days. So day one, he created light. Day two, he created atmosphere. Day three, he created the dry ground and plants. Day four, he created sun, moon, stars. Day five, he created birds, seas, and sea creature, sea creatures. And day six, he created land animals and humans. So here we see that even the beginning of a time, God is establishing a pattern, a, a, uh, an example of rhythm. He's God. He could have created all this stuff in, in one day. He could have created the earth. He could have created humans on day one and day two, three, four, five, six, rest. But what God is showing us is a, a pattern, a, a, a life of rhythm. It's like there's a time for everything. There's a time to create light. There's a time to create atmosphere. There's a time to do things and... Um, and that is, is a rhythm. And in day seven, he rests. God, does God need rest? He's a God that never sleeps, never slumbers. He doesn't need rest. And, what, and the key thing, and back to the music thing, um, in, in rest in music is essential because it separates, it separates patterns. It separates um, phrases. And in, in if you're a writer, a period separates phrases. It separates sentences. A period out of place changes the whole dynamic of the sentence, right? A punctuation here changes the entire thing that you're trying to say. So without rest, you could be trying to accomplish everything. You could be trying to accomplish, you have great intentions, right? You have a discipline of rest. You are working hard. You're doing everything that you think you, that you should be doing. You're working hard. You're paying your tithes. You're reading your Bible. You're praying. You're studying. You're giving. You're doing all this service. But without rest, it all becomes noise. And eventually it all becomes, it doesn't sound like anything. You're not accomplishing anything because you haven't, you know, there's, there's no rest. There's nothing that's, that stops that. Amen? So let's jump to Genesis chapter 2. Um, and it says, Genesis chapter 2, and I'm supposed to read the first one through... Three. And it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all of the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work he had done in creation. Amen. Amen. So the, since the beginning of time, rest is implanted into our DNA into who we are as people, as creation, rest is established. Um, even to the, the seasons, right? Um, you, think, you think of certain trees, certain plants, certain um, plants that we have, you know, without a certain plants going dormant for a season, it won't prosper in the spring, right? If that tree doesn't lay silent for a period of time from winter through the early spring, it won't survive through the spring and the summer. So it's, important, it's implanted even in the DNA of plants and all of creation. So do we ever wonder how we find ourselves at the point of burnout and exhaustion? Um, without rest, we respond from survival mode. 
we start to miss out on the minor details of everyday life. It's like you're driving a motorcycle. I don't know if anybody ever drove motorcycles, but if you're driving a motorcycle, the faster you go, even the smallest rock can be critical, right? A tiny rock, it could be, you could be flying, but a tiny rock, and you're not paying attention, you don't see it, can throw you off your bike and can throw you off your path and throw you off your, your destiny, throw you off where you're trying to go. Because, but you, if you slow down, that rock is, doesn't, doesn't do anything to you. If you slow down, you pause, you take a break, that rock does not get in your way. Um, the corrosive pressure of overactivity can cause suffering in ourselves and others. So we often think that, and this is, this is direct <laughs> anti, antithetical to who I am as a person. I don't like resting. You know, you ask my wife right there, she'll tell you, I cannot stand <laughs> just sitting down for a period, watching a movie for two, three hours is like torture to me. <laughs> it's like, why am I watching this movie? I, I got so much other stuff to do. I cannot stand it. But so reading this, this message and, go, and doing the study is really impactful to me. And it's like, it really had me thinking and, um, and really considering some stuff. And, and it kind of blew my mind. Amen. Um, in Luke chapter, let's jump to Luke chapter 8. Um, it's a popular passage. Luke chapter 8, and we'll read um, verse 43. And it says, And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him, talking about Jesus. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowns surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him declared, in the presence of all the people why she had touched them, and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So here we see, is a one, one key thing that I want to take out of this particular passage is that Jesus, he can recognize the expenditure of energy in every encounter. This woman touched his garment. He didn't see her. He barely probably even felt her. There's a whole bunch of people around there, around him, but he felt that energy go. And for us, I think we need to realize that every encounter that we have expends energy from us, right? Every conversation that we have, every meeting, every, every scroll to our, through our timeline, every discussion that we have, expends energy from us and takes away energy from us, right? The one phone call, that lengthy phone call that you're talking about something take, is taking away energy. It's, it's depleting your energy sources. And after a while, you start to burn out. Um, it all happens in thousands of unconscious events, tasks, responsibility that seem easy and harmless, right? It, does not, it doesn't feel like energy. It feels easy but it takes out a small portion of your life. So here comes the need for rest. 
one way to fight burnout is to create a, and, and create a rhythm of rest is remembering the Sabbath. Um, traditionally, Jewish people remember the Sabbath on sundown. Um, and Christians, we, we celebrate Sabbath traditionally through the morning worship, through this, through coming to church together and worshiping. So Sabbath was a time that God, that's how much God, God wanted that God instilled rest into, our, into us and wants us to rest. He instilled it into the law, into the commandments. Like, it's, isn't it interesting that it's like, do not murder and also rest on the Sabbath, right? Like, it's like very kind, like two different things. Like, all right. One, I, I feel like I can ignore, right? I can feel like I can ignore rest and be okay. But you can't. That's what God is telling us. You can't ignore it and be okay. Um, so Sabbath was a time that God set aside for the people of God. It was for them to stop working on building a temple and other related work in order to pray, to give thanks, and to, and to fellowship. God thought it was so important. So God, Sabbath creates a marker for ourselves. Um, so in, in Sabbath, we remember to delight in our life, in the fruits of our labor. Remember to stop and offer thanks for the wonder of it. So Sabbath, as we intentionally create a Sabbath, a pattern of Sabbath, a rhythm of Sabbath, we are setting aside time to say, we're going to intentionally rest, reflect, worship, and give thanks away from all of our other distractions, away from our other responsibility. We cease our labor. Um, we cease our labor. Once, once we cease our labor, we can, it allows room for other things to happen. It allows room for us to even practice some of these spiritual disciplines. It allows us to get into our word. It allows us to pray. It allows us to worship. It allows us to intentionally give that time of, of rest, the time of solitude, the time of obscurity. Um, walking with a friend, reciting a prayer, caring for children, sharing bread um, with family and neighbor, those intimate graces that need time and attention. That's what the design of Sabbath is for. So I encourage you guys to dig in, dig in a little bit more about Sabbath. Um, I'm not going to get too far into Sabbath, but I believe it's, I find it very interesting that, not interesting, but inter, in, integral or integral, that God placed that into the law. And that a lot of times we ignore the fact, ignore that, and say, we're not going to rest. We'll come to church, but after the church, we're out of here and we're back to our, our world. We don't take that time to rest. Um, you, you, you can even start Sabbath with a meal. Um, uh, oftentimes, Sabbath will start with a meal. People will light candles. Um, Jewish people will light candles. They'll recite some prayer. Um, so Sabbath around mealtime is essential. So you can have, practice Sabbath on your own, you can have a Sabbath. So start with a Sabbath meal. Have a meal either by yourself or with family. Intentionally put your phones away. Shut down some devices. Shut down some things. Intentionally spend time with your family. Light some candles. Pray. Sing songs. Um, Sabbath can be Sabbath meal could be a great time for instruction. Things like that. Amen. I, I remember growing up, and as I was doing, as I was reflecting, I'm like. Those after church runs to Applebee's, to Golden Corral, or even home, somebody's home, and then you go home and take a two-hour two nap after church, you know? 
those were us practicing Sabbath, you know, not even realizing, right? Like we would just be rested. This is pre-phones. After phones came out, after 4G and, and the phones came out, those things were out the window, right? Now, we, now we're busy. Now we're busy after church. But intentionally setting that time after church, after you leave here, have a meal, take a nap, which I hate to do. <laughs> I cannot stand napping. I cannot stand it. But, <laughs> but those are some of the things that we need, I think, will, will be beneficial to us as we are walking in our purposes and walking in what God has called us to do. Meal times are great, right? And I even remember, that even I, I, I firmly believe a lot of what has kept a lot of us or even specifically kept me in the faith are those intimate times, those meal times. I remember PD, I remember a lot more, probably more of what PD's teaching over meals, over hanging out than I probably remember from his sermons, right? Those intimate times where you're relaxed, you're rested, you're not worried about other things, those are, inter, those are integral times for us to receive instruction, receive um, things from God, amen. Um, so allow us to allow a time that you're not disturbed, seduced, or responsive, responsive to what our technology has to offer. Let's jump over. Oh, even even about meals. Um, I, I find it interesting, even through meals. Like if you look throughout the scripture, a lot of miracles, a lot of God's movements happen through meals, right? You see Jesus even giving his first uh, miracle, performing his first miracle at a wedding feast, and then you see the Holy Spirit coming down in the day of Pentecost during, during a feast. And you see the Last Supper, Jesus in, in giving, um, talking to his, his disciples in the last, over a meal, right? And we, we, even with the Last Supper, we, we, a lot of times we um, give a lot of significance to the bread and the wine, but there was an actual meal. <laughs> there was actual, it was during Passover, so there was probably some you know, some matzo ball soup and some fish and some whatever they would eat at the time, right? So there was some intentionality here. Jesus, I mean, we can, we can jump over to, let's, let's do it. Jump over to Mark chapter 14. Uh, Mark chapter 14. And we'll read from verse 12. Um, Yeah, we read verse 12. And, and on that first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of the disciples and said to him, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say to the master of his house, the teacher, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready there prepare for us and the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them and they prepared the Passover so you see some intentionality here right they didn't just get up and have a meal or just have something but they actually prepared for this so in our Sabbath preparing this wasn't Sabbath but in our preparation as as we you know enjoy meals with each other or with your family there's some preparation. Um, and, and let's continue. And when it was evening, he came to the 12. And as they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to sorrowful and say to him, 
one after each other, one after another, is it I? He said to them, it is one of the twelve, one who is dipping the bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Let's continue going. And as they were eating, he took the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took the, a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day um, I drink it new in the kingdom. Uh, in new, drink it new in the kingdom of God. So here Jesus is, you know, giving instruction for us to um, practice the practice communion, practice taking the bread and the wine. But I think a lot of times we miss out on the on the entire meal time, right? Because in that meal time, there's instructions, there's community. You can build community. Unity is is built a lot of times through meal times. You there is. Um, there is cohesion. There's a lot of things that happen through mealtimes. A lot of our best bonds usually happen through mealtimes. So I think Jesus is not, is not only saying, um, you know, take the bread and the wine, but also don't do, do this in remembrance, the fellowship in remembrance of me, the community in remembrance of me, the bond in remembrance of me. Amen. And it's interesting, I never saw this before. In verse 26, he says, and when they had sung a hymn, right? So they even, they were singing at the table, yeah. right? They were singing a hymn at the table. Amen. Um, so one way we can practice Sabbath is through um, sharing a meal, setting aside some time to go through that. Amen. Um, <clears throat> let's jump over to Matthew chapter 14. Could be being blessed so far. We read a couple of scriptures. So the first one is Matthew 14, verse 23. Um, this is Jesus. They're talking about Jesus. Uh, and it says, And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Next, next scripture, Luke chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. And it says, But now even more, the report about him went abroad, and the great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would, would, but he would withdraw to a desolate place, places and pray. So he's, here we're seeing that Jesus is what? Resting. <laughs> right? He has a pattern of resting. One more scripture. Um, Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, we'll read verses 32 from verse 32. And it says, That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon, those who were with him, and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go to the next town that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Um, 
Here we see that Jesus is what? A pattern of resting. He would preach, he would do his thing, and then I got to go rest. And what blew my mind about this, especially in the first, in, in, in the Luke scripture, is that the work wasn't finished when he went to rest. The work wasn't done. <laughs> there was still work to be done. There were still people that needed to be healed. There were still people that needed, that needed whatever that Jesus had to give them. But Jesus said, no, my pattern of rest, my rhythm of rest, is time for rest. When the time for rest came, the healing was done. <laughs> the preaching was done. That's how essential rest is and practicing rest. And, and, and I'm like, wow, that blew my mind. So a lot of times I'm, I, I can't, I'm like, I can't rest because I'm knowing that I have this to do and that to do and this to do. But the pattern of rest that Jesus is showing us here is that, nah, you need to rest. <laughs> because without resting, you can't do the other stuff. You can't continue your ministry without resting. There comes, there comes a time where our striving, uh, our striving and our effort becomes counterproductive, right? We think, I, I, I mean, I'm guilty of this all the time. You think you can, the more you do, the more you strive, the more you try to accomplish in a day, the more hours, the more, yeah, the more you grind, the more you hustle, the more you do stuff, the more I could get done. But Jesus is showing here, no, you need to rest. I was talking to one of my mentors this week, and I believe it was Divine, because she's very like me, not like resting, not, doesn't, doesn't like just sitting down. And she said she, to appease her husband, she went on this two-day spa. And one, and one of the... <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> she was like, she said, you know what, I'm fine because my husband is bugging me. Let's go, let's go, let's go. I went on a two-day spa. And she said, in one of the rooms, you couldn't bring a phone, you couldn't talk. You just had to sit down for a period of time. She, what, she, what she told me is that in that time, she had the idea, she got the idea. I don't think she's a believer, so she said she got the idea. We would have said, the Lord told me. <laughs> but, she, she, but she said, she said she got the idea to do exactly what she's doing now. The business idea came to her in that time of rest. You think, no, I need to be reading all these books. I need to do all this thing to get the ideas. But it's like, no, sit back. You'll get the idea. God's like, I got you. I can give you these ideas. You don't have to search for them. You don't have to just go through life trying to find those ideas. I got you. I can provide it for you. Amen. And, um, <clears throat> amen. So let's jump to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. And I'm almost done. You guys can go watch your football or do... Um, Valentine's Day, <laughs> Valentine's Day dinner, whatever you got planned. Or if you Valentine's is watching football, I don't know if you guys, <laughs> that would be nice, you know. Babe, Valentine's <laughs> It's funny because the Super Bowl usually either lands on her birthday or Valentine's, Valentine's Day weekend. So usually one day, one year we went to the movies during the Super Bowl and I'm like, man. All right, so Matthew chapter 3. So here, here is Jesus. I will read from verse 13. 
Here's Jesus before he enters his ministry. He's going to get baptized. Um, so it says, then Jesus, verse 13, then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan, to, to, to the Jordan, to John, to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. So here we see that Jesus is God, right? He's God in the flesh. Does he need to be baptized? No, right? But in, he's identifying with our humanity, with us, that this is the first thing that we need to do is I be, I, you know, identify, and our identity is be baptized, um, come to faith, come to realization who we are in God. And it continues. And it says, then he consented. So John said, all right, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll baptize you. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, who I, with whom I am well pleased. So here Jesus is identifying with us in the baptism, right? So as believers, we come to faith in God, we come to understanding in God, we get baptized. But interesting here is that the, the heavens open up and the Father comes out and says, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. So what's interesting here, this is before Jesus starts all of his ministry. He hasn't done nothing yet. He ain't done nothing yet, <laughs> right? Jesus, ain't do, Jesus didn't do anything yet. But God is like, I'm well pleased with my Son. Why? Because Jesus is, more, Jesus is the beloved here, not by what he's done, but by who he is loved by. So as us, we are loved not by what we have done or what we're going to accomplish, but by who we are loved by. That's how we are the beloved. We're not the beloved because, oh, I got this amount of people saved. I did this. I raised this much of money. I'm loved because God loves us and God loves me. So in that, I don't have to worry about doing everything and getting everything accomplished and checking off all these bucket lists. I'm loved already before I even do anything. Before I do anything for God, before I start my ministry, before I jump out and do the things that God has called me to do, I'm already loved. So I'm not earning the love of God. Jesus is not earning the love of God. He's already the beloved. Then what happens? Uh, this is Matthew chapter 4, the next verse. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So Jesus identifies as the beloved, and then what? He retreats. He's led by the Spirit to the wilderness, to a place of, this place of wilderness that can be tra translated as the place of obscurity, the place of loneliness, the place of solitude. So Jesus is immediately after um, he was identified as the beloved, he goes to the place of obscurity. A lot of times we get identified as the as the beloved, and then we try to go into the workplace. We try to run into ministry. God gave me a vision of, of doing this. I'm going to go do it. But Jesus says no. The Spirit leads him into obscurity before he does anything else. So, um, and I believe Jesus is calling us with him into that place of obscurity. In that place of obscurity is where he gets to identify that, that belovedness 
that thing that God is calling him to do gets sunk into him. And he's be able to deeply understand the belovedness, the grace of God, the calling of his life in that period of obscurity. Amen. Um, Jesus willingly walked into this lonely place. Can the Spirit lead us there too? Can the Spirit lead us to this um, place of loneliness where we can experience our belovedness? So a lot of times we think this place, this, this wilderness, was a place where of weakness, right? So further, further on, uh, the, devil, uh, the devil comes and tempts Jesus. So after 40, fasting 40 days and 40 nights, we think the wilderness made Jesus weak, and he got weak. What, what, if you think about it, what if you think about the opposite way? Without this wilderness, this wilderness made him stronger, that he was able to um, resist the temptations. Without this place of obscurity, so a lot, without this place of obscurity, he wasn't able to, he wouldn't be able to identify, to deeply identify with the beloved of, belovedness of God and be able to resist the, the, the temptations. So we think that this wilderness, this place of lonely thing, this loneliness can make us weaker, but in fact, it's making us stronger right, right. to resist the temptations, to do the work that God has called us to do. So we can't skip this step. If Jesus skipped the step of, all right, this is my calling, let me go into the workplace, perhaps he, perhaps he wouldn't be able to resist. Perhaps he wouldn't be able to do the things that God has called him to do. You know, we can't skip that step. Amen? Amen. Satan, and it's interesting that Satan knows, Satan tempts Jesus with things, with things of identity, right? He says, hey, if you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, do this. If you are this, do that. Satan knows our, 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 what, our, what we identify as, right? And Satan knows that we can, if we believe a lie, he can take us off our mission. He, if we believe that, hey, I can't do what God has called me to do, he can take us off of our plan. He can take us off of our path that God has called us to do. But without, so without this place, the desert place, um, we are not able to resist temptation, and follow the voice of God. God is always speaking to us. God is always giving us instruction, always showing us what to do. But the world, who else is speaking? The world. <laughs> Satan's speaking, right? The, our place of obscurity, this wilderness, this desert place, is where the voice of God can be louder than everybody else's, where you can single out the voice of God. Say exactly what God has called me to do in this place of, of obscurity, this place of rest. Amen. So this place of rest is essential to us um, fulfilling our mission, fulfilling us not being burnt out, fulfilling what God has called us to do. In this, I, in this, in this passage here, we see that God, Jesus models three things. He models first identity and baptism. Then he models solitude, and then he models kingdom work. We can't skip these steps, right? If we do kingdom work without first being identified, without first identity and baptism, we're not, you know, we don't, we don't have no idea what we're doing. If we try to have solitude before we, you know, have identity and, and baptism, you know, what are we, you know, what are we doing in that solitude? Who are we communicating? Who, where, who are we receiving instruction from? 
But if we do them in order and we, we prioritize solitude and rest, we can accomplish the things of God. Uh, a lot of times we say, you know, keep the Sabbath. But what if the Sabbath keeps us? What if the Sabbath, that place of rest, is the thing that's keeping us to endure, to accomplish the thing that God has called us to do? <laughs> so um, I'm pretty much done, but I encourage you guys to rest. And like I said, this is hard for me, <laughs> right? This is, this is something that I would struggle with because um, it's not something that's natural for me to just rest. Um, but I, seeing this and studying this, even the time I took to get into this has been like life-changing. Um, this week, I, like this year, it's been stress after stress after stress after stress. And it's like, you know, if you don't stop and rest and say, you know, I'm going to put all that stuff to the side, allow God to do his thing, allow God to move. You're just going to keep stressing and stressing and stressing. And you won't, uh, God won't be allowed to, you're not allowing God the space and the time to use you and to speak to you and to allow you and give you the ideas. And we, I think, hey, the idea is in a book somewhere. What if the idea is in, in a rest? What if the idea in just, is in solitude? What if the idea is in, in obscurity? Amen. Um, so let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you that you have given us and allow us to rest. Yes, Lord. Allow us to experience your grace in rest time. I thank you that you, uh, as we go throughout this week, Father, remind us to set aside time to rest, a time to reflect, a time to worship you, a time to um, deeply identify with you, oh God. And I thank you um, for grace upon your people. I pray that day would be blessed this week, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His word. God bless you.